I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. You wanted more? Here's season four. Finale of The, the Connor, Connor and Smith Show. The finale? This is the last episode that's the olympics oh yeah well it's the it's the olympics finale yeah we've been through an olympic uh ride well the olympics were happening during it at least yeah so who 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 we have for the finale we have monique midget with us who i have not we have not had the the privilege of talking to in quite some time so we get to catch up with her uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Monique. We'll be right back with Monique. Hi, Monique. Yeah, you can hear me. I can hear you. <laughs> Good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm sitting here with my husband and co-host, Matt Connor. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, Matt. How you doing? That's stolen from the Jimmy Fallon show. It's a good one. It's a good one. I know. We're waiting to get sued so we can just write an article about it and just get some publicity. (laughs) Um, We're also joined by our producer, Ryan Dean Halbrook. Hi, Monique. Hi, Ryan. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Good, good. Now, we, I'm just going to start this off. Stephen, can I jump in here, in here real quick? Yes, jump. I'm the mouthy one. Yep. <laughs> so all three of us have one thing in common. Okay. I, I see this. We have all four of us worked at the Columbia Toby's Dinner Theater. Yes. Yes, we have. Are you, are you from this area? Yeah. Uh, mm, yes. I was born in Philadelphia, but I moved to Maryland when I was uh, 13, 14, and then grew up in the Maryland area. So, yeah. So I grew. Mm-hmm. you went to school in Maryland? Yes. Oh, nice. You know, I was in the car today driving down and I called a friend in Fredericksburg named Sherry Eaglin. <laughs> and she said, oh, my gosh, you're going to talk to Monique tonight. <laughs> so she sends her love. Oh my Sherry, we are we we are out of touch. We usually talk like once a month. We have like a Virgo chat. Uh, Tony Ray Brotons and um, Sherry and I. But no, that's my friend from whew, Harlequin Dinner Theater. That's where we met. Oh gosh, you were in the Harlequin days. Mm-hmm. Wow, and that was actually in Maryland, right? Yeah, in Rockville, Maryland. Yeah, were you a West Ender in Virginia? Yeah, I worked there too. And at Burn Bray and what else? Okay, we were the Burn Bray and the West End. I think we closed all those joints. I worked at Shalimar's. Remember Shalimar's? No, I've never even heard of Shalimar's. Shalimar's uh, became something else. It was at the uh, the bus stop in <laughs> the Travel Plaza in um, Baltimore. Ah. What's the new name of that one? Sherry was in Nonsense with me there, too. Oh, my gosh. Now, did you do the whole thing that people do, did when I was kind of in here around here in the 90s where you'd be doing a show in D.C. and then trying to go to New York to audition for stuff and then come back? Yep, I took that bus, that, <laughs> that Peter Pan bus um, at like 3, 4 in the morning, get up and go and um, audition and then come back and have a show at night. Or I'd do a kid's show at Toby's in the morning and then get on the bus and go to the audition in New York for the afternoon. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So many people did, did that. So you actually probably got a gig in New York that kind of led you to move there. No. No. You moved, <laughs> you moved there and then got, then got the job. No. I. So I moved to New York after I did the Disney Cruise Line. Mm. Um, I did the Disney Cruise Line, made a little bit of money, and then went to New York so I could actually stay. <laughs> how, how is it cruising? Hmm. How, long, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's first of all, let's talk about the actual boat. Like, do you get kind of sick of being on the water, or does it feel like you're forced vacation? Like, I ain't got nothing to do but do a show and maybe have a, a pina colada. So I think it depends on the kind of ship. So I did... Um, 
Royal Caribbean, which was already up and running, you go in, you put in this costume, you learn these shows, and then you do your three or four shows a week. But the show, the first show I did was the Disney Cruise Line, and this was the beginning of the entire line. So they had no idea what they were doing. So it was, you know, a whole bunch of, well, what are we going to, what are these shows going to be? And how do we make them? And what's this cast? And we hate half this cast, so let's fire them and hire some new people. And now let's go to Italy and sit and wait for the ship to be built. So it was a whole bunch of other stuff before we actually got to perform. And, and once you become a Disney performer, do, are you like on call for like the theme park in Florida, the theme park in California, Tokyo, all, all over? No, they're all just different arms of the company. I wow. did end up working for different parts of them because there are some people that work for different, you know, arms of the company. But no, they're all separate. I had to audition every time for every different gig. Well, we've had a few friends who have worked with them that, you know, say that they uh you have to fit very much in a very tight box with who you are in in, in the characters and all of that mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you know there's something magical about i guess what you're showing um families and and kids that want to be um heroes and princesses and be in shows i mean it's definitely a delicate blend between the message that Disney sends and says, and sometimes how they treat the employees. So when you're in the role, of course the song, I mean, a a dream is a wish your heart makes, that's beautiful. So when you're singing the music, when you're interacting with the guests, it really is a magical experience. And that's why so many people stay. Sometimes Disney could have a better reputation of how they treat their employees, but um, but no, I mean, they're perfect. They're, you know, they're the top of the game at the messaging for sure. Which I, I guess is a lesson right now for kind of all theaters and maybe all of America, maybe all of the world of how maybe we kind of treat each other and look at our employees and how we work together and make sure that we are bringing joy to our work. Yeah, I think definitely before the pandemic, when we were all just moving and working and heads down every day the same. Um, After the pause (laughs) of having to look at our lives and and figure out what is essential Mm -hmm. to us and how we can hold that close, um, some things became more true and some things you could let go of. But I think that art is so important to making sure that life is worth living, that all theater companies have to reevaluate how they're sharing art and who's on the stage and you know what what they want to say about right. that community. Great. Monique, where are you calling from tonight? I am in Houston, Texas. Woo! Houston. What you doing in Houston? <laughs> Hanging out, chilling. The rodeo started, I think, a couple of days ago. I need to go and get my fried Oreo. Uh, that's not what you meant, though. <laughs> when the rodeo starts, is that like when the fair comes to town? I think so. I mean, I just see a lot of cowboy hats and boots. And I guess you're just supposed to follow all those people to where the fried food is and where there's uh, rodeo activities. I love I- anybody with boots, a hat, and an Oreo. <laughs> I have not been yet, but <laughs> I have heard that I must go. Uh, this is a truly Houston experience, so uh, I'm going to let you know how that works out. But uh, I'm an associate artistic director for a theater here. That's how I got here. Is it a theater under the stars? It is. Ah, I did my research correct. <laughs> so wait a minute. Does that mean it truly is a theater under, under the, the stars? stars? Yes and no. So it started at the Miller Outdoor Theater. Uh, which is an outdoor venue, kind of like um, Meriwether. Uh, oh. That's where they started their shows years ago. Um, and then they had a partnership with um, the Hobby Center. So now it's inside, but actually in the larger theater, if you look up, they uh, created a, a sky of stars in every, I don't know, however, however many minutes there is actually, actually like a shooting star that you can see. Uh, it's really it's like Vegas. It's like Vegas. Yes. Everything's like Vegas. Uh, so, so yeah. 
So what are you currently uh, involved in a production there? No, we just finished our season. Um, South Pacific was the last show and it ended on what month is this? Uh, February 20th. Another one of those shows that the message, unfortunately, is always timely. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, we had a great director, um, Taby McGar, who's done a lot of work actually in the D.C. area, too, um, to take a look at it and to just make sure that um, a lot of the characters that aren't normally don't normally have agency in the show mm -hmm. um, were elevated so that we could understand how they felt about um the plot lines as well. So yeah, it was a beautiful production. Um, Monique, I was trying to think back. I know that you and I did some kind of rock cabaret at Roundhouse. <laughs> Schoolhouse rock. No, no. It was like, I can't remember. I was singing like some tick, tick, boom. And like you were singing <laughs> some whiz. And Oh, yeah. And With, um, who, was our, who was our MD? Was that Chris Eustra? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the new Roundhouse. Because that was around when I was understudying the um, world. world Goes Round. Oh, I understudied that too. Yes. And, yeah, and I went for Sherry. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they, they tried Jane to make Pesci. us... No. no. No, it was Tracy Oliveira. And uh, who else was in that show? Will? Will Garchur. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Larry Hilton, maybe? Maybe. I don't oh, remember. I'm old child. That was a long time ago. And they tried to make us learn how to play those banjos in like a day and a half. And I'm like, yep. good luck. <laughs> yep. Yep. A banjo in a day and a half? I mean, well, there's that, you know, the me and my baby, my baby and me. And they're like, you got it. It's fine. And it's like, I hope everybody else is out. Turn my mic off because this is not going to be pretty. And also uh, all those languages at the end of uh, New York, New York or oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and roller skating. And... Roller skating. I've actually bought some roller skates during the pandemic. I, I still have goals and dreams to get good at that. So maybe like you summer. still have courage. That's not something I have anymore. Remember when we were little and we're like, we'll fall and get up and keep going. Now you really got to think that out. Like how many pads can I wear? Can I, what else can I put a pad on just in case I fall? Are my yeah. ankles sturdy enough? <laughs> exactly. Am I going to get up? Yeah. And will I get up if I fall? <laughs> yeah, but there, there was also that time in theater growing up when you never thought you would get hurt doing theater. Mm -hmm. And then you do something later on and go, oh, God, no, this is for real. Yeah, because, you know, we give 180 percent. You don't ever think about what would happen until the longevity of it. That's kind of why I'm not I'm not injured physically, but that's why I'm not singing eight shows a week anymore, because. You know, I'm a I'm allergic to the free world, and <laughs> as you get older, your chords are like, really, we gonna sing in this wind with this ragweed in this mold again, eight shows a week? No, we're not doing that. So. And is that any better in the Texas climate? Is it kind of arid? No, no, no. it's not better. It's just different. <laughs> it's different dust. How long yes. have you been in Houston? I moved here last May. And how do you like it down there? Have you been there before? I was here years ago with the Lion King on tour, actually in the Hobby Center in the same place that I'm working now um, as a performer. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I, it is, it is, it's nice. It's, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm from the Washington DC area. So I miss my people and my friends and my spaces, especially after the pandemic. I kind of wanted a little bit more time to just hang out and go outside but you know it's it there's a houston has a lot to offer <laughs> is it kind of a different world everything's well, different a rodeo. now right there's a rodeo right um, rodeo. so what they continue to tell me here is that houston is one of the most diverse cities in the united states wow yep that's all i got wow. <laughs> that's that's what they said that's, that's what they said. And there's lots of food. You'll never go hungry. There's every well, different good. kind of food. There's lots of food. Yes. Um, let's talk about The Lion King. Okay. So 
I've never seen The Lion King. Me and Steven have not been in New York, like, but maybe twice because we are always uh, doing something in Washington. Working, you're busy, or we, yeah. Yeah, or we can't afford the $130 ticket to go see blah, blah, blah. But the, the opening to The Lion King is truly a magical experience. The music, the parade of the animals, the story you're about ready to watch, is there something just about the Lion King being in it that you get that same feeling? Or is it kind of like, I can't wait to get this mask off my head? You know, like, so as a performer, but also as a, as a art creator, you have to give Julie Taymor her flowers for that number. It really is a beautiful piece of art and it really does do what it's supposed to do introducing the audience, introducing the world to this new young lion cub. And the way it happens is really glorious. I mean, and the, her use of puppets, her use of just how the number builds, the audience, I mean, you could never really get tired of seeing the audience see this. Right. And they know that there's people in this elephant. And right. they know that these are women with white dresses on with birds on their hands. And they know that this is, a person, you know, on stilts who's being a giraffe, but it's just so glorious how all of it comes together that, you know, when you think about that one moment where you're like, we got art right this time, it's really, really magical. It really is. And so you were on tour with The Lion King. So I started uh, with Lion King in the Las Vegas company. Um, they wanted to make a sit down company in Las Vegas and have it be larger than any of the companies that had been. So there were more South African performers. The, uh, the orchestra was larger, the set was larger, everything was bigger. Um, so that's the first production that I did at the Mandalay Bay. Uh, and then I, I kind of like, I love Las Vegas, love it. But I was like, I just kind of want to move closer to the East Coast. And I had a friend that was a swing and understudy on the tour and I found out and I was like, oh, well, if she's leaving, then maybe I'll try my hand at the tour. And I ended up getting her position on the tour. So I got to tour the country with the show. Wow. Now, because every theater is built completely different, did you get to like some theaters are like, OK, guys, tonight we have to cut the elephant and the birds. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what it is with um, traveling with a really amazing technical staff. They do lots of work way before we get there to make sure that everything will fit in those spaces. And when I did it, we, we had sit downs for six weeks, you know, six weeks, two months at a time. So these were the larger theaters and the show fit in all of those theaters. It's really crazy to be either in Dayton, Ohio or I don't know, Houston, Texas, and you walk into the theater and it feels exactly the same. Right. <laughs> so, so the stage always fit. Um, I think that now that the show's out, they may be playing smaller venues because they're at places less amount of time due to pandemic and a whole bunch of other things. So I think they have a smaller set on the road now, but at that time it was the full set. It, it's like when I, when I kind of saw some cathedrals in Europe and uh, it, every cathedral I went into still felt like I was still in the same um, sanctuary. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. We had um, our friend Alicia Gamble was on that tour, I believe. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she joined a little while after I left. And you guys did Women of Brewster Place together. We did. Yeah, that was fun. That was a wild show. Um, <laughs> the use of the projected shadows and stuff for that, like that um, let's dance the last dance sounding kind of song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was wild. And that, that song with that teacher hiding from her classroom at the top <laughs> of that too. Yeah. Um, that started in Georgia, we Atlanta, did, right? We, hmm. with the production, we did a workshop of that show in Virginia. I want to say, was it like Virginia Tech or something? We did like a workshop and then we did a, a lot of different workshops. But the actual production was a co-production between the Alliance Theater and Arena. So, right, right. right. Yeah, we did both. It's a, um, the book is amazing. The theater piece still needs work to find the authenticity of the voices of those women. That's what I will say. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I catch a drift. Yeah. Um, 
many conversations with Alicia about it as well. But mm -hmm. um, I'm, we're just looking through your resume because it's impressive. Oh, and okay. and all the ways that um, that I I I just have so the Civil War. I have to talk to you about it because I did that show two times, once under a different name mm -hmm. um, at the Ford Theater. Mm -hmm. I. First of all, there are beautiful songs, there are whatever. I, I always wondered how we're glorifying this war through song. Mm -hmm. And having had to play both like Confederate and uh, Union soldiers in different productions, like, it, it, I don't know. It's one of those things where the people I did it with, it was almost like a badge of honor that we got through it, but it, none of us really we enjoyed our company, mm -hmm. um, but it was, I, I think Michael Lanning was in mine. I think he was oh, in Michael. yours as well. Mm -hmm. And hearing him get, get to sing like Northbound Train was like right. one of the joys. Um, <laughs> but it's such a conflicted, there's so many shows like that where you look at and you're like, ah, why are we doing this this way? You know? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. First of all, I commend you as a member of the male ensemble in this show because those keys could not be any higher. Oh, like, ridiculous. To ridiculous. just sit there and be like, what are they singing? <laughs> it sounded glorious, but I was like, I know that hurts. I know they can't have anything that tastes good for like months to be able yeah. to sing this. And you got to sleep sitting up so you don't get acid. Ooh, it was high. Um, and it was fun to do the show with all of those studio singers like the Ford truck guy and the people that did all of those jingles and stuff so so I, and that was my first Broadway show so I was just happy to be there but to your point it's so hard it, it's it's a very multi-layered uh fact first of all it wasn't really a show it was just songs <laughs> and yeah, even on yeah. Broadway it was just a song cycle that they tried to make a show that wasn't really a show and most of the people had never done theater before so it was kind of like a concert you have yeah. to i think i think as a person you have to know and understand that every person has a story to tell to your point which stories need to be amplified and elevated um i know that that's the type of music that um I'm blanking on his name. Wild Horn. Wild Horn. Yeah, that he loves to write country music and music about that time period. So if I'm conflicted about anything, it's about how do we look at the moments that we were in now? How do we look back at something like that and say, is this, is this what we need to continue to celebrate? <laughs> is this a good song about something that we maybe just need to leave where it was and just not do well, again. I mean, I, there are songs I adore in that show. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, but then there are songs that I hated mm -hmm. being a part of. Right. Like, I don't want to sing. It's the last waltz for Dixie. I don't give a shit. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it's, yeah. it's like, wow, what a pretty song. I don't want to be one of these people. Yeah. Um, they're terrorists. Yeah. And and yet I I can then listen to um, oh God what was the song Candle in the Window mm -hmm. that I, was like my jam that, <laughs> or Peculiar Institution and mm -hmm. and the the storytelling there that was kind of like okay we're we're actually exploring some things mm -hmm. they did when they remounted it not that this is about me but just fyi when they remounted it for the 150th anniversary of lincoln's assassination at fords mm -hmm. they recalled they renamed it freedom's child and it was kind of redone in a way mm -hmm. i'm sorry freedom's song um mm -hmm. freedom's child was the song in the yeah mm -hmm. but it was still like after several attempts, I'm like, y'all gonna let this go and maybe do some other show? Cause we <laughs> tried it a couple times. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, I'm so conflicted about that because like I said, several of those songs that you're like, I could listen to this song all day and the next, I could skip the next five. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I definitely question. think, sure, sure. Well, I was in the audience for the program. I had nothing to do with it, but 
for like where we are now in our sort of world, uh, if this piece were to be done again, would it be thought out differently? Like, for instance, I don't know anything about the production team, but was the production team and the writing team completely a bunch of white guys? Yes, of course. Yeah. So, <laughs> so was that maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, would it have made a difference if it had been like, hey, maybe sh this shouldn't be completely told by a bunch of white people? Is this a museum piece? Yes. Or, or should it be? And if it is, uh, why are we singing at the end for the glory? Right. Because where, where's the glory? Right. Well, and funnily enough, it was started at the Alley Theater here in Houston. <laughs> yes, that's right. And the same players, uh, what Paul Tetro, uh, mm -hmm. came from the alley to Ford's. Mm -hmm. So there, there's that. Um, and it's not, you know, uh, nothing more to say than I think that this was God, you know, the last time I did it was 2015. I can't even remember 14. No, 15, I think. It, it, even in the, the what, seven years since then, like, the world, the geography, the politics, everything has changed so much that I'm like, I don't think we need to pick this show up again. Yeah. For a long time. I want to explore other storytelling and other storytellers and not erect these statues on a stage. Monique, can I tell you something funny? Mm -hmm. Opening night, Forge Theater, <laughs> Civil War, whatever it's called. I'm thinking to myself in the audience, like, oh, God, what am I going to say to these people? This was like kind of an awkward night. <laughs> and I sit down with some food. This older woman sits down at the table, like right in front of me. We start talking. She's like, oh, my God, wasn't that this song great? And I was like, yes. And she's like, oh, my God, in this moment of the show, I was like, yes. And she was talking, talking, talking. And slowly she turns to me and she, she says, have you met Frank? <laughs> and I said, oh, no. And I'm thinking, I guess she's thinking, talking about Frank Wildhorn. And she said, well, let me introduce you. I'm his mother. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I did not just ask you, why did they sing that song for the glory at the end of the show? <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, maybe, maybe once again, this is a great place that we could maybe have a conversation before in the world. And maybe now if this show happens again, someone can say, I have a big question. I mean, the thing is, he's a talented man. He could take that same music and write different lyrics. He can do a lot of different things with the show or just let it die. Like I personally, as an African-American woman, am not going to play an enslaved character anymore. Yeah. I'm just not. There's too many other stories to tell. <laughs> and I, I said that years ago and that I might have said that after I did Civil War. So I wouldn't be a part of it anyway, but um, I think that, like you're saying, there's just so many other there's so many other things to explore. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, um, Monique, so you grew up, you said in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. and then moved down to the Maryland. Maryland. Gates can you take us? Can you take us back to um, young Monique and where you first knew you had the bug and wanted to be in the performing arts? What can you remember your like Ring of Keys moment? Ooh, yes. Okay, there's several. First, I was watching All My Children with my grandmother, and yes. Jesse and Angie had a son. And that was the first time I saw someone, a little person on television that looked like me. And I got very excited because I said, if that little boy can do it, I can do it too. So uh, I asked my grandparents to take me to acting classes. And I want to say it was the Allen's Lane Art Center. Um, and I started doing theater there, really shy, introverted, only child, um, moved to Maryland when I was about 13, uh, started singing not very loudly or well, <laughs> but I think because I'd had so many other different interests, like I played the flute for a while, I played tennis for a while, I, you know, wanted to be all of these things, but theater was the thing that stuck, and so I just continued to do it, um, year after year and in high school. And um, I think high school kind of led to, was that maybe some dinner theater? And it's just the thing that I kept doing <laughs> and I kept getting hired to do. And so eventually I said, okay, well, if they're gonna keep hiring me, I'm gonna keep doing it. Eventually you get to that point where you're like, I don't know if I'm any good at it, but I'm having fun. Um, and then and it kind of turned into a career. And, and through all of your mentors, teachers, how, how, 
how did uh, you teach as well uh, mm -hmm. and coach and mm -hmm. were any of your mentors and teachers and the people who helped kind of creatively mold you, did any of their words of advice, do they come through you now to your students? Um, I mean, all of them. I think, I think the difference in teaching then, not the difference, there's a difference between teaching a discipline, how to sing, how to act, how to dance, versus teaching someone how to be an artist. You know, one is about there is a correct way to do something, and the other is about there is no way. So either you feel the art, make the art, and then find a way to fit it into what is commercial or what you can make money at, or you learn through school how to do it and eventually find your artistry in that. So I would say as a teacher, I celebrate wherever any student is and where they wanna go and let them know that there's no box. So you don't have to be a singer, actor, dancer or a dancer, actor, singer. You can be a dancer who makes videos and who likes to roller skate. You can, right. make, you can make art and tell your story in any way that you want. Um, I think that, you know, when we were coming up, there was a specific way to do it. There was something that you were supposed to do. And so I don't fault my teachers. They were all wonderful, great people. But I think that for me as a little introverted only child who was always looking for the right way, I needed to know that there really, there's no box. <laughs> And now with social media, I mean, people yeah. can have their own style and type of uh, show on their phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's such an exciting time. It really is for all kinds of art. I, I mean, I know that I'll never see everything that someone is creating out there because people are making things, like you said, right now on their phone. That's so awesome. Like writing shows on TikTok. It's mm -hmm. crazy. <laughs> I know, right? Everybody's got a stage, they got a phone. Well, like yeah. watching the war in Ukraine on TikTok before it even hits the news. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's insane what's happening. And it kind of makes you feel connected and yeah. small and unimportant and important at the same time. <laughs> yeah, the world is so much smaller and so much more connected now than it's ever been, especially yeah. because we all lived through a pandemic at the same time. So I mean, we all feel so connected to everything that's going on everywhere in the world. What kind of things did you um, go to during the pandemic? You know, when a few podcasts ago, I would ask this silly question, like, okay, everyone was, everyone was learning how to bake bread. <laughs> did you have any things like, oh, I learned uh, French. <laughs> I watched all seven seasons of the Mary Tyler Moore show. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just random. I know. Um, and I was Betty like, White. wow. Betty what White. Is what a journey she had. I know. Um, I think I did that with, oh, I went through, I watched every Disney, not Disney, every Christmas movie that came out, like good, bad, indifferent, ugly. I, I've never watched Christmas movies because there's so many, but from the one with Goldie Hawn and um, Kurt Russell to Dolly um, Parton's to like the teen ones. I don't know. I just had a moment where I watched everything Christmas. Um, but during that time, I actually ended up um, directing some virtual productions online and that was fun. What else did I do? I wrote some, I worked. So I had a um, day job, like a quote unquote half, a part-time essential job. I worked uh, reception at a restoration company. So I got up and went to work every day, which was really difficult early on when we didn't know what was happening in the world and how we were going to get it. But it ended up being the best thing for me because I needed some normalcy in my life. So after that, then I would come home. I ended up teaching a class at University of Maryland and um, did a lot of exciting things that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. Um, so you were still in Maryland when this all this was happening? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whole time. Yeah. And restoration, like restoration furniture? No, like a restoration, like water and fire damage. So, uh, oh, damage so you go in and do all of that. I didn't do it. I answered the phone for people that did ah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was like my, you know, my survival job on the side when I was directing, when I was writing everything. I'd been there for like three years. So it was, it was, mm, it was interesting and great to actually have a family outside of my family to go through all of that experience with. We're still we, real close. 
we had a, a friend years ago that had like a restoration company like that, but oh, they yeah. dealt they dealt mainly like with crime sort of. Thing. Well, they did mold as well. Yeah, I, but I remember like the the blood stories. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Like like if something happened and someone you know fell Marcy, down the steps was it and Marcy? Died. It was Marcy's company. Yeah, but anyways. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's kind of cool. I mean, you know, it it. it Having a life outside of theater always kind of makes you feel cool because you tell them what you're doing. They're like, wow, you went and directed this show. I mean, even right. like, can you sing us the name game? <laughs> right. You're like, yes, I am a real artist. I am. Um, so will you have the entire summer off? No. No, because they're under the stars. <laughs> oh, because the under the stars will have a summer season. There's there's a lot of programming that's happening. There's a lot of casting for the upcoming season. There's a lot of, I mean, you know, I started this job at the end. Nope, I wouldn't even say at the, there wasn't even a lull in the pandemic. We started the season right before Delta started happening. So there's just a lot of, of uh, systems that need to be put in place. A lot of A lot of things that need to happen for theater moving forward you know, with, with all of the COVID protocols and everything. So no, we'll be busy. Mm -hmm. um, Monique, you are a produced playwright. Can you tell me a little bit about your, your writing? Sure. Well, funnily enough, um, well, it doesn't start out as funny. I was in the Lion King on tour and I was not happy, um, which probably doesn't sound great. It's an amazing show uh, to be a part of. But as a swing, as an understudy, when you kind of feel like every day is the same, you don't necessarily always feel like there's art there. And I got to a place where I just needed something to do. <laughs> and I was feeling kind of uh, like I didn't really have a reason. I didn't feel like an artist. And so I took a little bit of time off from the show. I slept. Um, I kind of detoxed. And found an idea for a story, started writing it. And when I got back on the road, um, workshopped it with some of my cast um, and ended up uh, having it uh, presented here in Houston at the Ensemble Theater. This is where we were uh, in Houston with The Lion King. So some of my cast members were part of my cast. Um, Simba was my choreographer. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Yeah. Um, the Timon's wife was a, um, a, dra a drama teacher at New York University, so she was our director. It was great to just <laughs> borrow some of the talent from the show. And it was, a, it was a really amazing experience to just take an idea, put it on the page, and then have it experienced by um, a, a pretty good-sized audience. It was sometimes writing or producing is just the art of doing it, like would I do that show again? Probably not. <laughs> I'm probably a much better writer than that. But it was it was the entire experience of saying, okay, I'm going to write this thing and I want to see it on the stage. The bad thing was I was in it. Uh, I was one of the cast members. I would much rather write it and then see other people do it so I could make it better and <laughs> keep editing. <laughs> but no, it was, it was an amazing experience. And I look forward to doing more of that um, soon. Yeah, I was going to say, do you have anything kind of in the hopper that you're like thinking about? Yeah, there's there's lots of different projects that I'm I'm working towards. You know, you can't go through the experience that we went through without it inspiring lots of different stories, lots of different ideas. And especially um, as a as a black woman, seeing where you are represented and where you're not represented and the stories that are being told. So there's just some stories that I feel like I need to put out there like some of them there's one of the stories I'm writing about my sister and I because through everything we lived we lived in Laurel during the pandemic but actually in an apartment building on the same floor around the corner from each other so wow. everything that we went through you know was it was a it was a godsend that she was so close so right just the conversations that we had at like three o'clock in the morning about our childhood about life about what was going on in the world I think that you know there's just a space for that. So that's going to be the basis of one of the stories that I tell. Well, you have to keep us posted on what you're writing and where it's going to be and like oh, workshops yeah. because like we love, we love supporting original work. We write original work ourselves. We I always know. You guys are amazing. Spotlights to anybody else who does it because it's so hard to break through the noise, you know? Yeah. Well, um, 
So I'm mindful of your time. I, I just want to ask a few like final questions here. Sure. What what are okay? What are some um, recent uh, amazing books that you've read that you can recommend? Oh, uh, not enough. Um, like let's say in the past five years. Let's be very liberal about it. Okay, I'm gonna say my favorite books of all time, which are The Alchemist. That's my favorite book. Period. Yes. Um, I just gave three or four uh, copies of The Artist's Way to friends of mine because um, mm -hmm. that's always important to, you know, just dig in there and figure out what you're actually thinking about <laughs> with those morning pages, if you've ever done that. Mm -hmm. um, Parable of the Sower is one that I'm working on now, um, trying to dig into. Parable of the Sower? Yes. Sower as in seed or sower as in cloth? Sower as in seed. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Wait, I'm going to tell you who it is because I'm going to look. Oh, wait. I hope you can't hear it. Parable of the... Yeah, I want to tell you the name of the author because she's brilliant. Uh, uh, where is it? Keep talking. I'll tell you the name. Okay. Um... The Alchemist is a book that Matthew and I both read uh, probably about 10 years ago and were obsessed with. I think he gave it to me afterwards, and it's just, it's a dream yeah, to read. Yeah, it's probably time to reread that. Yeah. yeah. Is it, there's not a movie based on the book, is there? I keep hearing that they're working on movies or musicals. I don't want to see it. <laughs> right, right. It's the kind of book that lives in your brain. It's the story. The thing I love about that book is every time I read it, I get a different message because right. I'm at a different point in my life and there's something else I need to hear at that point. So, you know, it's kind of like Susical. Like I did that and it, it probably just needed to live in everybody's brains <laughs> and our imaginations. It's always going to be better than what you put on the stage in a show what? like that. Was that a great experience with the Susical? <laughs> How much time you got? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Was it a great experience as a young performer to see what it takes to make a production work or not work? Yes. It was great to be in the room to see sometimes things don't work out. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be cynical. I mean, literally, it was really a great learning experience. Um, there were a lot of cooks in that kitchen. And I still think that probably the best productions of that show are the stripped down ones that people do in youth theater, because you don't need all that stuff that never worked anyway. When you just have, you know, a Horton and some overalls and, <laughs> and a Gertrude that is trying to get his attention, you know, when it's just simple, that yeah. story works. When you try and put too many bells and whistles and stars and drum kits, it does not work. Isn't that kind of like a rule for life? Like mm -hmm. we learn in theater that sometimes you just don't need, you can't, you can't always put a hat on top of a hat. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, and you know, it, these producers are like, we have to fill the house. We have to have all of these special effects. No, you don't, you don't though. Well, isn't, I mean, that was kind of the, the story of the success of like the garage version of signature of like stripping down shows to the bare bones because they couldn't do anything else. And all of a sudden shows that people didn't like before people were like, Oh my God, I heard the words. Well, <laughs> I understand the show now. Well, of course, cause you were looking at things that were extraneous. Right. Right. And right. not hearing the soul of the, you know, writer. Um, uh, I'm going to go on to what are you binging on Netflix or other streaming platforms that you love and can't get enough of? Okay. First of all, the author, author of that book was Octavia Butler. Ah. Oh, okay. Uh, I love Ted Lasso. Yes. I love Ted Lasso. I'm mad that I have to wait for the next season because it's hard. You know what? I'm the only person in the room right now that watched Ted Lasso. And what was it about every episode that brought me such joy? <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I found Ted Lasso here in Houston by myself. And I instantly saw his journey in mine, you know, just being so far away from home, having to create a family um, separate of my own and trying to figure out 
how to make this found family my new family and yeah. in all of our brokenness. So I loved him from the first episode. Um, I just think it's such it's such smart writing. It's such a great ensemble. I love that you get to know each person and their own journeys and their own personalities. It's just so it's and it's it's got so many layers. I love that even just the character of Ted Lasso is so multi-layered. I could talk about that show forever. I love well, let it. me tell you something silly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I'm on Zoom calls where I'm a little bit, not nervous, but a little bit sort of like, I don't want to be in this meeting, mm -hmm. I will write believe beside <laughs> me. I just write I believe that. and I just give me that. a little bit of Ted Lasso like courage. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I get it 100%. Alicia, Alicia Gamble turned you on to this Alicia show. Gamble said, Matt, you have to watch this. And then we started, you know, after each episode, I would write, you know, something silly that she would get just in case people were, you know. So is the, does it take place in a rodeo? Yes, he yes. He's a, he's a lasso-er. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Absolutely. Right. No, Ryan, it takes place over across the pond. <laughs> right in the UK, he's like a soccer coach, yeah, or a yeah. football coach. He's a yeah, football and, and coach you, that becomes a soccer coach. Yes, yeah. And that woman, what's her name? The um, the powerful blonde woman in the show, mm -hmm. the singer. Yes, you know she's a musical theater performer in the UK, mm -hmm. and I love when she won whatever she won for the show. Yeah. In her speech, she was like, everyone, please, you have to hire your music theater performers. They will never let you down. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's it's a great show. I don't know what else, what else do I watch? Did um, you see Ozark? I didn't. Did the not. Crown. Uh, not past the first or second season, no. Anything with Olivia Coleman. <laughs> I don't know who that is, so no. <laughs> Olivia Coleman was uh, the second queen of england in the crown <laughs> oh i don't know maybe what have i been watching now you got me wondering what have i been doing you know i watch a lot of documentaries yeah so i'll either watch them on hulu or on netflix like i watched a lot of documentaries about music and how it's made i'll watch lots of documentaries about i watched the one about um ali muhammad ali mm -hmm. i watched um yeah stuff like that so have you seen the one about fungus and mushrooms. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay, there's one called what? The Fantastic Fabulous Fungi? I, I, I don't know. But anyways. I'm going to send you a list because we clearly are living in different Netflix worlds. <laughs> or how about My Octopus Teacher? Have you seen that? No. Oh, That's my God. So I need to see what is on your suggested list because I don't know any of those things. There's yeah. a great one on Hulu right now that's nominated for an Academy Award uh, called Flea. And it's animated, but it's animated over this guy's story about fleeing uh, the Middle East. Oh, wow. And he's gay. And it's absolutely amazing. Wow. wow. Highly recommended. Wow. I'll watch that. I mean, that's the thing. There's so much content much. now. There's so much that you could literally watch TV every day and miss, you know, 80% of what Let's make a show. Well, every time we talk to someone, everyone is always mentioning things. I'm like, what are you talking about? Where are you finding this? You know, okay, you know what my favorite thing is? I have to say this, Abbott Elementary is my favorite show right now. Well, I've heard that's really good. Abbott oh, it's Elementary. Abbott. Abbott, Abbott Elementary. You have to watch that. If there's something, I love Abbott Elementary as much as I love Ted Lasso in a different way. It is a mockumentary a la like, like modern family, but it's set in uh, Philadelphia and it's uh, the, the workplace is, is a school. So it's the teachers and the administrators in a school that's underfunded in Philadelphia, but it's Quinta Moore. Um, she was a, she was a writer. She's a comedy writer. And uh, now she's the executive producer and the writer of the show. And she's brilliant. Like, so funny. All right, we've written that down, but this is my trade for you. You have to watch My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. Listen, <laughs> okay. this is what happens. I won't, I won't, no spoilers, but it's about this guy who is diving. Uh, where is he off of the coast of? Is it Australia? I, I can't remember. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with Australia. Sounds good. Um, and he makes contact with this octopus, this female octopus, 
and earns her trust through many visits and then kind of follows her through the cycle of her life and death. And she, she knows him by the end and they form this bond and it, she dies. Well, I mean, an octopus lives for like a year. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So there's only one season so far, Um, but it's so it like, not only the stunning underwater, like I had no idea there were forests underwater. Hmm, and if you go through the forest underwater, I was like, what What mayhem magic is this? I had no idea this existed in the world. It's beautiful. Anyway. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All Monique, right. Would you like to sit, talk about anything that's coming up or where people can follow you or how to, whatever you want to close with? Yes. My Instagram is Monique Creates. Uh, and, you know, I'm on other social media stuff, just my name. I will say uh, things are happening. There will be big changes in my life in the next hmm, three months. Okay. Ooh. Right. And Watch this space. Watch this space. Sure. <laughs> yeah, everything is going to change. Soon. Okay, I'll I'll be watching. Um, <laughs> Monique, we love you. Thank you so much for oh. spending time with us. It was so great to catch up with you and hear all about what you're doing now. Please be careful at the rodeo. I get worried. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I am going to get some cowboy boots just in case to keep all of the bad things away. Um, I'm just gonna direct beeline to get my turkey leg and my uh, fried Oreo, and then I'm out. So I think I'll be okay. All right. All right. It sounds like an amazing experience. Kind of, kind of. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. Stay warm. I know yes. it's a little chilly there. And I'll be I'll be there soon. That's where all my people are. So I'm coming to hang out. Same all right. Way. Let us know. We'll be there. <laughs> I will. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Bye, Bye. Bye. Thanks so much, Monique, for catching up with us. Uh, We'd love to hear about the rodeo after you go, please. Let us know what happened. How was the Oreo? Or if you need to just call somebody and, and, you know, have them on the line in case you need um, rescued. Uh, We're we're right there for you. Um, But we also want a deep fried Oreo if possible. Um, if you want to learn more about us, please visit www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can follow us on Facebook and TikTok under Connor and Smith, again, with an ER. Please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out a lot. Share it wherever you share things. Post it in your posty places. Post it where you post things. And uh, this has been a great season to kind of warm back up into the pod. For uh, We are on the first day of meteorological spring. And things are changing. Uh, Season 5 starts this week. We're going to have a preview episode coming up in the next day or two. And then we're going to go into it. Uh, We're probably going to do about two episodes a week. Um, And there's changes. There's a Discord board. There's all kinds of things you'll hear about in the preview. Um, But thank you for joining us. We hope you'll join for the college season. Even though you may not know these folks, it's going to be fascinating stories to hear. Absolutely. So Everyone can relate to a good story. Absolutely. So thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye!